Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the set of the Tanya Joy Show. We are so happy to see you here today. For those of you that watch us on the Blessed News Network, we are also named or known as Beauty for Ashes with Tanya Joy. Um, so I kind of feel like I have to always clarify that because some people get confused of what are we called. But we went to the Tanya Joy Show because it just is easier. Everybody has kind of learned my name and it's just an easier thing. Anyway, we're glad to see you today. We have a great show for you. As most of you know who follow the show, I love all things entertainment, right? That's kind of my main thing. And anytime I can get an actor or a director, writer, singer, any sort of creative on the show, I am like in heaven because they're talking my language and it's just so much fun. And so I'm excited, so excited for our guest today. You're gonna recognize him and you're gonna recognize his voice. You may not know him by name, but when you see him and hear him, you're gonna go, oh yeah, I know that guy, I know who he is. And that is kind of how he is known. He is an awesome talent, singer, actor, comedian, trained at Second City. We're gonna talk about all of this and his new book and his journey through show business and all the things that he is doing. So today is Wednesday, January 17th. I'm Tanya Joy and this is The Tanya Joy Show. Okay, well, we weren't shocked. Over again. So, welcome back to the show. As well, I'm so excited to have you both on the show. And I know we had such good uh, feedback and reception. General Flynn, what an honor. Joshua Joshua tracked me down in a big tent of about 4,000 people. How are you? I am doing so great. Hello, everybody. Thank God, I am wonderfully great. Hello. Thank you very much. Because. What is prayer? I'm just Jewish, you know what I mean? And it, I'm thrilled to be here with the two of you. <laughs> Me too. It's like, and that's who these crazies, these evil ones. It is. You said it right. Good job. Perfect. All right. The Gibson sisters. We are so excited to have them on with us on Resistance Chicks today. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise. These people that get higher up, How? sometimes I've thought. These are glory days and not gloomy days. Like, I love that. <laughs> Oh, no, you know, it, it, it kind of works. What's awesome about the tour is people like you. Yeah. I love the applause. That's cool. There we go. Thank Hi, you. Joy. Everybody, welcome. We are so excited. Are you ready to get the show on the road? Let's go. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are glad to see you. So today's guest co-starred in Escape from Alcatraz as Charlie Butts. He took the money and wrote, produced, directed, and played the lead actor in Solly's Diner, which was then nominated for an Academy Award. He went on to act in over 200 TV shows and movies, and he stole the raisins on Seinfeld. You're going to see. Now your brain is starting to work. Like, wait, who is this? He was Mr. Heckles. The Downstairs Neighbor and Friends, you all got to remember that, right? He was in Breaking Bad. Larry's old Joe supplied the huge electromagnet out in his desert junkyard. He was the hitman, Stavka on Barry, and on and on and on. He just released his book, That Guy, a cautionary memoir about his trip through show business. And we are so excited to welcome Larry Hankin. Hello. Welcome to the show. Uh, just, yeah, one point in your introduction, guess what word stuck out in your introduction of me? You, you'll never guess. I'll tell you. The word was. 
but uh, you still are. I shouldn't have said well, it that way. Yeah, yeah but it, it registers. It, it well, registers. Yeah, you I'm are. Cool. You always are, though, right? Once you, I mean, there's nobody that can ever take that spot. Nobody that can ever go back and say, "I was that." You always will be that. In all um, those roles. Yeah, that that kind of killed uh, the Superman. <laughs> That's also. Am I going to be Mr. Heckles the rest of my life? Uh, Would that be no, terrible? There is other things. All those things we think through, right? Excuse me? I said all those things that we start thinking through. Oh, no. the uh, uh, Yeah, but I, I like the list. I mean, I, I like the list. Very those impressive. That I, 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 yeah, Mr. Heckles is, is cool. Mr. Heckles is Okay, I want, I want to, like, go back and have you share a little bit of your background. Like, how did you get to the point of being an actor? How did you get to the point of, because I know you've got a, a, a you know, great background and in, in where you went to school and all that. But share with everybody, how did you get to the space where you even wanted to be an actor, a comedian, singer, a creative? Where did that come from? I have no idea because I, I never realized that I was creative at all until uh, I got out of the house, actually. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I just because they wanted me to go to, you know, like college, college, you know, and, and be a professional. And, you know, yeah. uh, so it never occurred to them that I might be creative. And uh, the house was kind of vapid in, in creativity. I mean, there was a, they, whatever my parents bought or brought into the house creatively were also were these um, books uh, where it was just to show off the company. You know, they would they would buy a set of books, not not just one book or read one book. They would buy like the set of encyclopedias. Yes. Set of the famous uh, you know, literature of the ages, and there would be a set. Mm -hmm. So that was the so I, I just uh, read and I read the encyclopedia, uh, you know, not, not the whole thing, just the page, but I read the dictionary, I, I read uh, Don Quixote, I read Gulliver's nice. Travels because they were classics, they yeah. you know, they had the classics. That was the so I didn't know that. So I went to college as an industrial designer because I thought industrial design. I saw design, not Interesting. industrial. Interesting. And they saw industrial, not design. So yeah. I went to Syracuse as an industrial designer, and uh, it, it didn't work out for either of us, actually. <laughs> it was, you know, it wasn't design, and it wasn't industrial. It mm -hmm. was you know, so when I graduated, and I got a degree. I was a, a very good student because whatever you put in front of me, I just want to do a great job. I, I don't know. That's like a that's a good trait. I don't know what it, what it is, but I just, just wanna, so I got high marks. I mean, I, I graduated well. Yeah. And um, but I once I got the diploma, I gave it to my parents and I disappeared. I mean, I just. I, I headed out. Uh, Carl Gottlieb uh, was my best friend in college, and he helped me creatively uh, in that I got into a huge fight on graduation night. I mean, a really knock down, drag out, 
holy cow, send him to the hospital. Kind oh, of. my gosh. From college. Me, me not the other guy. Uh, <laughs> over, over a woman. Over a girl. Of course. Of oh, course. man. Uh, the stupidest move I've ever made. But, you know. I Did you get the girl? Excuse me? Did you get the girl well, at least? Actually, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there you go. So, uh, a very long story, but yeah. Okay, so uh, that wasn't the point. The point was no, yeah, I know, but I had to know. But yeah, uh, so I went to Carl because I, I, my arm was dislocated and my face was all black and blue. So I, I couldn't, my excuse was I couldn't draw. It was my left hand and I'm a lefty. So that's what I told my parents. I, I can't go to Detroit. They wanted me in Detroit to design cars. But I, I uh, my arm, oh, I can't do it. No, man. So Carl Gottlieb was working in um, uh, Summerstock uh, every uh -huh. summer. He would go. And he became my best friend in college. And I said to him, look, I don't want to I don't want to go to industrial design. I don't want to go home. I, I don't yeah. where what are you doing when you graduate? I mean, this is like graduation next day after mm -hmm. the fight. Uh, and he said, well, I'm going to Greenwich Village. I'm going to be a writer. I mean, he knew right away what he wanted yeah, to do. Yeah. I mean, he wrote Jaws and all, yeah. a lot of movies. So I said, well, do you want a roommate? I, you know, I don't know where to go. Uh, I have no idea. So he said, yeah, let's go to Greenwich Village. I thought that was really glamorous, Greenwich Village. It, that was, yeah. Wow, man. So, and I lived in Far Rockaway, Long Island. So, I mean, it was, and I used to go to Greenwich Village from high school. You know, you take the train in. Mm -hmm. come back late at night so i thought yeah you know let's go to greenwich village and i did and i i had nothing i had no idea what i wanted to do so i was just bussing bars you were just hanging out open up and stuff but uh i had my evenings free so i would hang out in the greenwichville coffee houses uh -huh. and uh i was watching the comedians i was attracted to the comedians i was kind of a funny guy in college and high school so i was watching the comedians and i said wow i can i can do that I mean, you just get up there and you just talk. No, not really. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure you've seen the the Netflix show. I, no, it's on Prime. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel. No, I I haven't. Oh my gosh, my you're gonna love it. But I I, I kind of caught a, a couple of them. I was just too busy being a stand-up comedian. I, I I've only just started watching it now. I just started well, the series. What, what, what is it on? I'll watch it. I've, I've it's, heard it's a lot on of Prime. That. It's on Amazon Prime, and you would love it being a comedian because it's her journey becoming a comedian, and and it's hysterical because she gets up at first and she gets all these laughs because she's just well. First she's drunk, then she took a. a a drug so then she's you know just loose and it's hysterical well then she comes in sober and i mean she bombs every right. time she bombs <laughs> yeah. hard, so it shows the reality of how hard it truly is to to be a comedian yeah anyway uh, yeah so i i had luckily because maybe i have you know comedy genes in me but mm -hmm. i picked it up pretty fair i mean I, I had a good learning curve there so within six months i was opening for woody allen so that was kind of cool. I thought, that's well, amazing. I must have what? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. I, I I was amazed myself. I mean, I just I was just doing comedy. I, I started off very badly. I mean, I mean, you, I couldn't get a laugh if I paid the audience. I mean, it was just, uh, and it was. Uh, but I kept on the one mantra I had was, I'd come off the stage, you know, to 
you know, just polite, you know, uh, who's next? But I kept on thinking, well, I can do it better. I, mm -hmm. I, I remember, I can do it better. And that's every time I come off the stage, I would just say to myself, yeah, I, I can do it better. Yeah, I can do it better. And I could. I mean, the next, I just, you know, and each time I get a little more laughs until finally a guy come, you got a manager? No. You got a representation? No. You want one? Yeah, that's why we're all here. That was the the interesting thing about Greenwich Village. Nobody in Greenwich Village at the time, this is in the 60s, early 60s, mm -hmm. um, nobody in Greenwich Village, the people on the stage, or every other coffee houses everywhere and everywhere. all performing. Nobody in Greenwich Village was there to be famous. We were only there for one reason, to get representation. <laughs> Yeah, you can get representation, man. In Greenwich Village, become a big star. But so when this guy, I don't, he was in a suit, nice man, elder gentleman. He said, "You got representation." The word represent. I said, "No, I don't." And he said, "How would you like representation?" And I go, uh, "Yeah." And I said, "That's why we're all here." And he said, "How about me?" And I said, "Okay," just like that. Didn't even know who he was. I didn't know who he was. I had no idea. But I said, okay. And he said, all right, my name is Jack Rollins. And if anybody asks, you have a manager. His name is Jack Rollins. That's me. And I'll be back and I'll check up on you every once in a while. And that was all he said. And he just walked out. So I kept that in my mind for a couple of days. He never showed up, blah, blah, blah. And then one day uh, he came in and he said, I, I booked you down the street in a nightclub, a nightclub. That was amazing. That, that's like being in a tentpole movie, Uh huh. a nightclub. So it was that, just down the street. So, and, and we lived a couple of blocks away. So either way, I just walked to the coffee house or to the nightclub. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Paul Eilers downstairs at the upstairs and upstairs at the downstairs. There was two levels, two, two floors of stages. That's amazing. And uh, Woody was, working upstairs and I was working downstairs. I And I didn't know who Jack Rowland was. I still had no idea who my manager was. He just booked me in this nightclub and Woody was upstairs and I was downstairs. So uh, I was, I had bragging rights now. I had representation in Greenwich Village. So when I went to the, you know, to the bar later after the show, <laughs> the, 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 the coffee house show, and we were sitting around a table and, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, what's going on? And I said, hey, I got representation. And everybody, yeah, you got representation. And it was like a big deal. And I didn't realize how big a deal that was. I just knew I needed representation. And then they, and they said, well, who, who is it? You know, just who is it? Because there's nobody famous that would come around. And I said, Jack Rollins. And they said, Jack Rollins, that's Woody Allen's manager. They go, it is? Because uh, Woody was pretty famous by yeah. then. He was doing television. Uh-huh. He had television humor, which is different, different than, than, than regular humor. Yeah. Uh, very different. Very, yeah. And uh, so... Uh, then I started opening for him. He started, Jack started oh. booking me with Woody all over. So that was kind of cool until the next stage. I mean, it does. Because there's happen. always, yeah. It, it, 
yeah. So the next stage was working with Woody, uh, opening for him, and in nightclubs. And I noticed that we would both be getting laughs in the beginning. Mm -hmm. We both got laughs. I opened for him. He would get laughs. But, you know, I thought, well, he's funny. I'm funny. But then his laughs would get bigger and mine would get smaller. And I'd get, he'd get huge laughs and I would get less and less for the same material that I had been doing and that he had been doing. But as he got more and more famous, mm -hmm. you know, that helps the laughter quotient. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> not fair, but it's true. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so I, I went to Jack and I said, hey, I, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm doing my same humor, but my same, you know, bits, but I'm not getting any funny. I'm getting less funny. What's going on? And he said, ah, yeah, you don't do the same thing that Woody does. Uh, I was doing like Lenny Bruce and, you know, and pre-Richie Pryor and pre-George Carlin, but they were coming up. And okay. I know I know what Jack was saying. Mm -hmm. He was saying, yeah, you're not doing Woody stuff. You're, you're doing Richie and George. Uh, you you have to find your own audience because your audience is not Woody's. Not the same audience, yeah, for sure. It's just going like that. So that was scary. Now now I had to stand on my own, you know, comedy, and so that was like. But again, the learning curve and boom. So that that's how I got into show business. But finally, I couldn't take it. Uh, I was doing. George Collin and Richard Pryor and Lenny Bruce type stuff. And basically saying not poop jokes, but really, <laughs> you know. And so uh, I could, I hadn't, uh, and Jack would say, well, you don't have any television material. I can't put you on television. I can't put you on the Ed Sullivan show. You right. can't get any more famous than you are now. Yeah. Unless you, you know, grow up and get some television material. And I said, I don't write, which I didn't. I, okay. I didn't write. I would just get up on stage and talk. Uh -huh. like, well, I would just You have got to watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You've got to do that I later. It takes place in the 60s near oh, Greenwich wow. Village. Yeah, it's I, like, I, I oh, you're going to love it. Uh, okay. I, it's your background. You're going to love it. Anyway, sorry. So, so you, that's how I got into show business. And then, and then now, but you went, you went, ended up at Second City. So well, did you start said, training at that point? Once he said that, then you well, said, I got to go. Because I said, look, I, I can't take it. These people, I mean, people would, I mean, I was being pulled off the stage by police. I mean, you know, 10, 15, 20 policemen would come up on the stage. Yeah. And say, you know, let's go, fella. And and I don't even think they knew why they were pulling me off the stage. Yeah. The, the 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 generally, like I was I was opening for like um, the the Love and Spoonful, which I thought was great because I get the rock and roll crowd. Uh -huh. so that was my people, and yeah. and it really was. Except when they played uh, college uh, venues. Like you know, auditoriums, you know, mm -hmm. two, three thousand people. Uh, the head of the college, this was Washington University, and I think it was Alabama or Louisiana, somewhere down south, Louisiana. Uh -huh. I don't know. So the college dean would be in the back, and he called the police. Oh, I was cursing on stage, you know. 
Wow. I mean, I just wasn't thinking up what a different world. I mean, I mean what a, a bit, you know. Yeah, what a different world, right? To think about that then and now, like that. Oh I mean, yeah, I mean, it just blows my mind. I mean, yeah. you have to have cursing, yeah. or you can't get on television. Right. It's just really weird. What a shift. Yeah. Wow. So uh, he said, "Why don't you join Second City?" He he was the one who said. He said they're doing Lenny Bruce and Pryor's material. Uh, because people would come at me with beer bottles. That they would say, "Get off the stage, man!" Because I was opening for like the Kingston Trio, which is worse than Woody Allen. I mean, they're they have a straighter audience than Woody. Mm -hmm. These Woody's people came to laugh. These people mm -hmm. just came to hear music. Yeah, straight music, you know. Folk. Yeah. So I, it wasn't going well at all. I mean, so one one day in a nightclub because they had a big dance floor. And it was snowing out. I don't know where it was. Maybe it was Chicago. I don't know. It was, and it was snowing. So there were, there were very few people. I couldn't even see out into the audience because of the lights. But there was a blank dance floor, big dance floor, thank God. And out of the darkness, I'm doing my shtick. And out of the darkness comes this, <laughs> this starker, <laughs> this muscular guy in a suit. And he just had a beer bottle upside down in his hand. And as he's walking across the dance floor, he said, get off the stage and bring on the Kingston Trio. And I said, no, no. You know, the first thing is, no, no, I'm gonna, let me just finish. I got 10 more minutes. Yeah. And he said, I said, get off the stage. And he was coming at me now. And I just got off the stage. Wow. And I just sat at the bar. And the bartender said, you got 10 more minutes. Get out there. And I said, no, did you see that guy? He came at me with a beer bottle, man. He was going to kill me. And he said, I don't care. Get out there. 10 minutes. You got more 10 minutes. I said, no, I'm not. He said, if you don't get out there, you, you, you're fired. And I said, I'm not fired. I quit. And I just walked out. And wow. I called Jack and I said, okay, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. They're coming at me now. I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that guy is, that's not me. Yeah. So he said, join Second City. He said, you can do the same thing, but they own the theater, so go kick the guy out. So that's what I did. I joined Second City. I got in and I was there for about a year. And then they shipped me down to St. Louis. And we were there. We were held over. We were there for, we were supposed to be there for like, I think, two months. And we were held over for a year. So we were doing really well. Uh, and uh, so then Paul Sills, who owned Second City, came down and said, what the hell are they doing down there? They, they were supposed to come back, you know, six months ago. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> So he came back down and he hired two of us, Jack Burns, who wrote, invented and wrote wow. uh, Hee Haw, you know, that, that famous. Yeah. Book. So that was Jack and me were in it. So, I mean, totally different pe type of personalities, but we were roommates and and he, he sure could drink, boy, let me tell you. One time he, he challenged the icebox to a boxing match and he won. He won. He knocked. Oh over the icebox. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, all right, I'm out. This life I can't take. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it's now I'm roommates with a guy with a beer bottle. I mean, it's right. just too much. Yeah. So I called Jack and I said, I can't, I can't do this, man. This is crazy. I'm trapped here in St. Louis. My roommate is crazy. Uh, so and I, you know, I couldn't like run away. It was mm -hmm. the south. Yeah. Okay. So 
Um, how did I get out of there? I think, um, oh, yeah, I, I quit. Uh, yep. or, or I was let go. or I, I was not satisfied with Second City in Chicago. It was okay. Chicago. So um, I quit or, or I asked to be released. Mm -hmm. That's how it went. Um, and they said, yeah, because there's too many people on the stage anyway. I mean, they had hired everybody at this point. Okay. So I, I left. And um, a car came one night in a snowstorm. Uh, outside, right outside of the Second City Theater. And a, a kid came down and said, there's a Larry Hankin here. There's a car outside. They want to talk to Larry Hankin. So I said, yeah, it's me. Okay. So I went out snowing. And it was um, the actual um, director of Second City who auditioned me in New York to get into Second City wow. a year ago. And then they shipped me to yeah. Chicago and then St. Louis and I came back to Chicago and now here comes his director who hired me a year ago and he's in the car and he says hop in we're going to California we're going to start our own company I'm not uh, you know and the, and, the, and the car was filled it was a station an old junker station station wagon it was filled with improvers you know uh, people who had been fired or quit from sure. Second City uh, four of them and a kid they were a married couple in there. And off you went. Up in. And I said, no, send me a ticket. Because I didn't trust. It's a snowstorm. It's yeah. a car. It's yeah. a crowded thing. They had luggage tied to the you know, top. It was like. You're yeah, like, I don't you know, think so. Yeah. It was like, like at the, what was it? You know, with, uh, in, in the early 1900s, the people going west. Yeah, you know, the, like during the gold rush. Yeah. And I thought, no, this is crazy. No. So I said, I'm going back to New York to see if I can find a job or go back to coffee houses. You send me a, a plane ticket. I don't, sorry. And sure enough, two weeks later, I got a plane ticket in New York, you know. And, and wow. so I flew in, didn't know what the hell, bought a suit just because it was a job and they paid me a, a week or something in front. And a wash and wear cost me $15. A wash and wear brown suit. <laughs> the first suit I ever wore or, or ever bought. And how old were you about at this time? Were you in your uh, mid You know, uh, what, what was the, you graduated college in what, 18, 19? Something <laughs> like that. And then 20, 21. So I was like right around there. I was just, okay. so all this happened within a year Very or short two time. of graduation. Wow. So yeah, and you were young. So I went to, and then we went to San Francisco uh, and I flew in. And the reason I mentioned the brown suit was because when I got off the plane, you know, I had a tie and a shirt and my brown suit, wash and wear. I mean, wow. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, it didn't hang well. Let me say that. Uh, so I got off and they, the entire company, which was, you know, six actors and the director and his wife, who was in the company, showed up at the airport to pick me up, you know, and, hey, Larry, how you doing? I didn't know any of them. And they were all, like, dressed California, you know, the shorts and yeah. money and da-da-da and the beard and long hair. And I just looked like an idiot. Yeah. I just remember this wash-and-wear suit and a tie that had a haircut, you know, nice and neat. You know, I want to make a good impression. And they were all, you know, hippies. Yeah. 
you know, it was California. It was the sixties. Yeah. And I was just so embarrassed, man. And, but it took me, like I say, it was a learning curve really fast. Boom. And my hair's down to here. Yeah. You know, as, as long as it took to get my hair down and I got the, Outfit. That was one of them. And, and we were a, a big success. And that's really how I became an actor because uh, we were in San Francisco yeah. and we were a big hit. I mean, as yeah. big as Second City in Chicago. It that's was really amazing. amazing. Well, yeah, I, mean, we were, we were, I mean, I remember the night that we found out we were a big hit was that we were only getting small amounts of people. We weren't famous or anything. We just opened up a new theater. Mm -hmm. We knew where it was. And so you know, we got to thinking that was going to be how life was. And I said, you know, and everybody, the, the word was, don't quit your day gig. Sure. That was what we said, man, because. Yeah. Oh, oh it must be an alarm. Wait a minute. Yeah, okay. So, so uh, that was what was going on. And we thought this is going into the toilet, so. So we were all looking, you know, well, you know, what will I do in about a month? That's, that's sure. what we kind of gave. Yeah. And, and then out of nowhere to me, now maybe other people realized it or whatever, I don't know. We were getting good reviews in the papers. Mm -hmm. So we thought that would bring them in. But I see there's a lag time between reviews and when people, you know, figure, well, let's go next week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it does bring in people, but not like the next night. No, right. it doesn't work that way. So one night, I mean, it probably was a Saturday night, I remember, in between shows. So there was a first show and then the yeah. second show. In between shows, I just went outside to get some air. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't smoke, but I went outside. And there was a line around the block. Now, I'm not saying that it went down the block and then around the corner. I'm saying it went around the block wow. and back. And so the last guy was standing where the first guy was going into the theater. You know, wow. the line blind yeah. that blew my mind. I mean, so I ran back into the theater. You know, hey, you got to see that, you know, like. Hey man, cool it, you know, because they were thinking, well, we'll get 40, 50 people, you know. On this wow. side of the so I, I remember I, I got the Hamid, uh, Hamilton Camp, who was part of uh, something in camp, Gibson and Camp, folk singing mm -hmm. group. But man, that guy was funny, Hamilton. I would just want to improv with him. I don't care. But he was, I said, you know, so he was my best friend because. Uh -huh. Funny. He's so funny. Hamilton, come here. He was the only one who'd come with me. Get out of here. So we, we came out and, and we walked the, the line. We, we went, you know, all the way around and we walked around and we walked and we were saying hello to all the people, you know, hey, it's going to be great. Yeah. So that's how, and kind of the, the end of the, how did you get into show business? Because the, the LA people who hired actors in TV and movies, it was too much money to go to Second City in Chicago because they wanted those people. They were uh -huh. really good and funny. But it was too much money and stay overnight and blah, blah, blah. But they could, for $35, you could buy a round-trip plane ticket to San Francisco. And you can get, a you know, like a, a red eye and get back the same night sleeping. Yeah. Your own bed. So the uh, 
the hirers, I don't know what they're called, the auditioners who are whatever. Casting agents or whatever. Yeah. Would fly up, hire us. And, you know, fly us down for a week. We'd make tons of money because it was L.A. And it was, you know, I mean, yeah. compared to stage money. I mean, sure. $200 a week, maybe in, a, in the best of times, $500 a week. Mm -hmm. But down there, you would get like, you know, $1,000 for one day or $2,000 yeah. for one day. So we'd fly down and come back. So it was the best of all possible worlds because we would fly down to audition and we couldn't get an audition. Nobody would talk to us. But they would fly up, see us on this hit show and hire us immediately. Right? That's amazing. Yeah. Networking. It's always the way that it works in this business. So Penny Marshall is, is the one who got me. Oh, she, my gosh. That's awesome. And she... Uh, Flew down and I got, I got a phone call from LA. You know, are you Larry Hankin? Yeah, they called me at home. You know, got my phone number. Uh, who is he? Hi, I'm a blah, 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 for Laverne and Shirley. Penny Marshall was up there last week. She said, hire the tall, funny guy because they're doing a dance number. Oh Laverne God. and Shirley are going to their prom. Uh huh. She wants to dance with you. So come down. So I, I didn't have to audition. Yeah, Penny Marshall wanted me in the. So, so I, I danced with Penny Marshall and then I got an agent. I got representation. Because <laughs> uh, Jack had, you know, washed, well, he washed his hands of me, but he said, good luck, Larry, because I don't do actors. I just do stand up. But you're now a stage actor in San Francisco. So you got to get your own agent. Wow. So I didn't have an agent until... Laverne and Shirley, so Penny Marshall got me down there and an agent came around and said, anybody funny come in on Laverne and Shirley? That's how they worked. I didn't know that. The agents would go to the production office every once in a while and say, anybody come through here funny or, you know. Whatever they were looking for at the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, who, who doesn't have any representation. And they said, yeah, Larry Hankin came. Yeah, he was here. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah. So he called me and said, you got an agent? Same thing. You know, you got an agent? It wasn't representation. You got an agent? I said, no. You want one? Yeah. How about me? You got it. You got it, man. That's it. I was like, now? Are you kidding? If I needed an agent? Well, I don't have an agent because I kind of dropped out. I didn't retire. I just kind of moved back a little just to see what's going on. But now, I mean, to get an agent, it's you have know. a lawyer to have an agent. I know. And you have to already have a whole collection of work you've done. I've been trying to get an agent. I've been trying to get an agent for a year and a half, and it's... All right. You have it's, to do so much work before yeah, you can get yeah. an agent. And it's like, but you can't get the work if you don't have the agent. It's like, the, who, who came first, the chicken or the I egg? I don't know. a paper. I, I tried to, uh, three days ago, I, I just wrote a book, another book, you know, not. Yeah, we need book. to talk about your books. We'll do that after the commercial in a minute. Okay. So, so uh, yeah, so I wrote this book, that guy, and I was looking for an agent. I got a publisher because I did yeah. it myself. I had to do it. But I wanted to get now an, a literary a literary agent. So three days ago, I started Googling and stuff like that. And I got one that's really good, cool. And somebody had recommended me who has, you know, recommendation mm -hmm. power in LA. Mm -hmm. They actually mean something if they recommend you. Absolutely. So I, with all that work I've done, I have somebody who can recommend me. Mm -hmm. So they recommended me to this person. So I said, you know, I, I want to get a literary agent. So, so you have to fill out 
go on online. And so I went online and I got this thing. Man, it took me hours, right? Not hours. Oh, good. A month. A month. It took me a month to fill out the form that they had on their page. Yeah. This page, whatever page. And I sent it in. Now I got an immediate response because, oh my credit, you had one of the things was, you know, what what are your credits? Sure, sure. I have like pretty cool credits. Yeah. So I think that's what the That helps big was. time. That all, yes, that helps. And also the person who recommended me is a well-known person. So yeah. I think between those two, the, that, because I got a response like in two days. Wow. General takes like, you know, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I got, they said, wow. yes, send the, the manuscript. So I just, Sent it. That's but, amazing. Let's well, do this. Amazing, Let's, still a month to fill it. Well, out. yeah, but I get it because I've been. It's ridiculous. People don't understand that process. They think it's all just oh yay no yeah. you're that's that's yeah. not how it works. People don't understand the backside. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and I want to talk about your books and then we you can talk and share some more about then you know getting in all these sitcoms and all the fun you know becoming that guy which is so awesome I think so that guy becoming, that's a better title yeah maybe i'll title this episode becoming that guy okay oh. hang tight we'll be right back y'all thanks so much for joining us you know how we work at this show we've got some amazing sponsors one is our gold silver guy dr dr kirk elliott you're going to find out some more about him in a few minutes and you also know we're always talking about health and wellness here so we're going to also share one of our videos one of our little commercials of one of our great um, affiliates that we work with. So hang tight. We will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Tanya Joy from the Tanya Joy Show, also known as Beauty for Ashes. And I want to take a quick minute and talk to you about my new favorite sprays. This is by Verve Vitamins. Now, I want to show you this one in particular. I've got three here that I use on a very regular basis. One is Sunny, it's called. Let's see if we can see it. And I'm going to show you a quick commercial. This is vitamin D3, and it is amazing if you need to be in the sun and get those extra vitamins. This one is Energy. These are vitamin sprays. You do seven sprays in your mouth, and it takes care of your vitamins. You can travel with them. I mean, these are small. They're the size of a pen. You can stick them in your purse. But this one right now is what you need to get. This is called cold. It's vitamin C and zinc. I came down with a little bit of something right around the new year, and I started spraying this. I actually used it three times a day. And you guys, it's less than five days later, and it is gone. So you need to check out Verve Vitamins. Stick around, I'm gonna show you the video, and in that video, it's gonna show you the website to go to. You will get a discount with our code, Tanya Joy. So be sure you check this out. This is gonna change your life. I'm telling you, these are amazing. the answer to this but we'll ask you anyway if you stay away from your favorite junk food for a month and then go back to supersizing it will your health improve well 
That's the thing about change. To change, we have to be as consistent as possible. And when we go back to an old habit, it's not the end of the world. We just get back at the new habit. Before you know it, real transformation is evident to you and others. That's why we offer a bunch of helpful bonuses when you subscribe to Kingdom Fuel. Kingdom Fuel is our complete nutritional meal shake. It's the simple start to a transformed life, and we'll auto-ship every month so you don't run out. You'll receive two free shaker cups, free access to our video courses, and a monthly call with us filled with practical inspiration. Just see the link below or on your screen and subscribe today. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliotphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit KirkElliottPhD.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are having so much fun here on this show with Larry Hankin today. I think we got a title for the show, Becoming That Guy, which is awesome. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with the show, you can catch us every day. New content, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 414. You can find us on the Blessed News Network or else on Rumble and all the streaming places. Uh, make, you know, always make sure you check out more about me and the show over at TanyaJoy.tv. All right, let's bring Larry back in. It's such a fun conversation. I love it. So before the break, we were talking about how hard it is in this business to actually get representation. It's still now it's still that way. It's still no, that way. It's even worse now. Oh. I, I could well I'm trying to get representation. And I you know and I'm a I'm a big name. I got a name. But yeah and a huge work. resume and you're having trouble getting that? No way. Well what they want see here here's the it's it's money. That, that that's All now nice. but it's out front now. In the old days, it was still money, but it was at least, you know, well, you need representation. Now it's um, how many fans do you have? How how much? Yes. Money do how you many followers do you have? How much followers do you have? Over a yeah, million followers, followers on social media. Followers. That's what. Do you have followers? And that's the question they ask you. Yeah. I mean, it's on the. It's on the. Yes, the, the I know it is. Be a month. It's uh, who are the people who you feel would buy your book? Who are your fans, your followers? And the more followers you have, the better chance you have of getting representation. Always. It has nothing to do with your talent. It's uh -uh. fun. It's so sad, isn't it? it? It's very, it's very frustrating as someone kind of coming into the industry at this point, because I mean, I'm, I train, you know, I train, I'm, I'm actually method train. I train Stanislavski and things oh, wow. like that out of a studio in Nashville. We'll, we'll wow. promote that the Nashville studio of method actors. They're amazing. And, um, and it's hard because I love the craft. I love the yeah. skill. I want to, I don't want to just get up and 
like I, I want to do it well, you know what I mean? But I don't have a million followers. So it's, it is, it's, it's an interesting combination. Um, yeah. And probably if I was on the other side, um, probably they, they want it that way because the, the first thing I thought of when I looked at this form you have to fill out for representation, not, not what do you do and let me see you do it, but, yeah. you know, fill this out. Um, I, I, I saw I, the, my first thought was, I don't think that uh, this particular agency, it was a very big agency. I don't think this particular agency wants people to fill this out. Because it's just too long. Yeah. In, in other words, I think they made it hard on purpose. Yeah. And so I, I, and I so be, because I remember starting to fill it out, and I remember not even halfway through, maybe a quarter of the way through or less. It's so much work. So after a month, I had to, like, you know, take a vacation. <laughs> I didn't know all this stuff about me until I had to fill it out. You and know? you have to give your, yeah, it's a whole different world. I mean, it's, and that's for well, books. A lot of actors come up to me and they say, you know, how, how can I get into show business? I don't know how to, what to tell you, man. Yeah. I can't get into show business. You know, it's I mean, a whole different world right now. Yeah. But how did you, so you, but you were on, so let's go back. You were, I mean, cause I, I know you from friends cause I loved friends. That's one of my favorite. I, I missed that show. So you, how'd you end up on that show? Well, I mean, once I had representation going back before I dropped out, so in other words, going back to the beginning. No, once you have representation back then, which was the early 70s, I guess. Yeah. So from, uh, say, 72 until 2013. Yeah. Now, that was my golden era. That was when I was doing all the work. Uh -huh. And that was, I had representation. So they would just send me out and, and they yeah. were good at choosing what I did for what they wanted. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I would generally, my average of getting an audition was very high. I mean, mm -hmm. generally you get like uh, one out of 10 and mm -hmm. I was getting one out of five. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. It was. And that's why I worked so much because yeah. I was getting these jobs, but it was my agents were sending me to the right auditions. Yeah, now, exactly. They knew what they knew did what the I could agent. Do. Yeah, totally. They relied on that, so I never got out of that box they put me in. You know, he 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 can what if he auditions for these kind of jobs, he'll get it. So okay, I want to ask you about that as an actor. Did you get tired of that? Did you? Oh, did you? Okay, I was going to say, did you want to be able to branch out and do other types well, of things? Well, I got right? other problems, so I'll tell you that. I have ADHD and dis I'm a dyslexic. Okay. They're very serious in both. Now, there's workarounds and you wouldn't notice it, and nobody ever did. Mm -hmm. I worked around. But one of the rules I had to help me and not let anybody know that I was uh, – um, I had ADHD or dyslexia, was uh, uh, lines, memorizing lines, which is the yeah. bottom line for all actors. Sure. You've got to memorize lines. Dyslexia and my ADHD are very difficult for me, extremely difficult for me to memorize lines. Now, the workaround was very simple. Um, and a lot of actors in Hollywood 
unbeknownst to your fans, yes, they uh, have ADHD and dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Not both at the same time, which mm -hmm. I do, but just, but they all have workarounds or they work it out or whatever. They go to the psychiatrist. Uh, my workaround was all I had to do was uh, tell and have the it in the contract or whatever my agent would tell them. Larry has to get the uh, lines, the script first or when everybody or the when the first people get it as soon as possible so you could have more time with it yeah so i had just had more times so, and and that was what did it i uh-huh but and this is what kept me in the box of my own volition was as the parts got bigger yeah the lag time had to get longer for me to get it and finally the parts got too big and i, and I didn't have enough time in other words, if, if it was like a starring role, there's no way I could do it. They couldn't yeah. say I would get it before the writer finished it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting thing. That, yeah. And, and then and then that allowed you to, I'm sure, being in that type of a character, though, to improv a lot. And you were good no, no. at that. Did you get to do it? I didn't like to improv. I started to. Really? In the I mean, they got like really. I, they didn't know, like it. Really. I gotcha. So I just stopped and then I just lost the desire. And then when it came time for me to really improv, I was locked because improv is you have to a whole different thing. Like weightlifting. If you get out of shape, man, it's a muscle. Yes. It's not like brain nerves. It's muscle. Yeah. Muscle memory. It's muscle memory. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, no, it's, it's like a muscle. Maybe it is, you know, nerve ending. But the more you use it, the easier it is. For sure. And after a while, a couple of years, I wasn't improving at all. I wasn't even rehearsed, you know, no, no. Yeah, you're I, just I, showing I, up. Curricula acting, you know. Yeah. So then I just lost all the muscles and the the brain connections, whatever. So I, I would, no, I don't want to improv. Yeah, well, okay, gotcha. Fine. You know, they would say, you know, if you want to, you know, improv, it's okay. And I lost the ability to either I would improvise or I would memorize, but I couldn't figure out because of the ADHD and the dyslexia, or maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I couldn't figure out how to combine the two. Interesting. Like, you know, I'll use a little of what he wrote and a little of what I'm improving. And I didn't know how to get back into it. Like if I left the writing and went into improv, I didn't know where to come back into the writing. Sure. Had no. no, had you ever done when you were in New York or any of the, did you ever go to any of the the acting studios or any of those places do that? No. And in those days, and I just got out of that mindset uh, a few years ago, like five years ago. No, in those days, I didn't even want to go to a psychiatrist or a doctor or anybody that had any more information than I did. I was like, if you were smarter than me, I'm not talking. I'm not you. interested. I'm not interested. Yeah, right. I mean, it was like, so I no. what do I need to go yeah. to school for? I went uh, now in Second City because I was there for, I don't know, a year or two. Uh -huh. No, they sent you to school and, uh, you know, because I was just out of stand up. So, yeah, I went to all those improvs and I was studying with, you know, some of the great stars, you know, like Valerie Harper and... Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't even remember their names, but they were famous. Yeah. Severin Darden and uh, uh, Alan Arkin. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was improvising with those guys and going to the classes with them at the same time. Yeah. Me, but at the same time. Yeah. So I, I was I was 
surrounded by the best improvisers and I was going to the one of the better improv schools you yeah know, so no I was sharp and I was good at it and I loved doing it I wanted to just do that forever forever that was your favorite of all the things oh, man, that yeah. was your favorite but now you're also a musician yes you're a singer you also sing do you well sing? I'm trying to learn the guitar okay gotcha so, but, and I'm, you know, I can, if you play, I can play along with you, but I, okay, cool. you know, that, that's about it. Well, I can't play, so I'm not going to, I can't do oh, that. Okay. Well, good. Then I'm better than you. <laughs> I could play keyboards. I could, I could play chords. Oh, great. Man. Do that in, in, yeah. Cause I, I'm a singer and, and uh, oh, right. You're a I've done that so I can, but not, uh, I would never claim to be a, a piano player. Well, a real piano player because they've trained. I haven't trained in that. I've trained in singing. I've trained in acting. I'm like, I'm, I'm not a trained dancer. I can dance, but I'm not a trained dancer. So I'm not going to pretend that I am <laughs> compared to well, what uh, Right. Because, you know, there's some people who are so much better exactly. than I trained. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm, I was just at an audition in Branson a few weeks ago and they had, uh, it was for a live show and it started with the dance audition and they said, singers, if you'd like to do that. And I said, I'm not doing that. Th these kids are, first of all, I'm old enough to be their parent. Second of all, they, you know, they're in dance school. I will look like a fool. I'm not, I don't need to prove anything. So. Right. right. And, and so that's why I backed off of of, of improving and the more you back off the worse yeah. you get you know because you yeah. just start exercising it. not exercising doing it and doing it that's you know just do it i yeah. mean that, whatever uh, i guess nike do yeah it. exactly just do it, it so that's, now that's pretty much it and now but now you've written your this book that guy oh that guy which basically lays out what i just talked about for the last you know so it's your story it's your story uh, and uh, the reason that I named it was, and the reason I even wrote the book was everybody was kept on saying, oh, you're that guy. And they didn't know my name. So I thought, that's a great title for a book. And yeah. then I thought, why don't I write the book for that title? I mean, it yeah. didn't work the other way around. I got the title first and I thought, well, I should run, write the book now. So that's, awesome. that's what I did. It took me about, I don't know, a year, a little less than a year. And now you've got very difficult because I never. Yeah. How, how did you write? I would imagine that's also difficult with this. Well, I had a friend, a, a buddy who was a podcaster named uh, Doug Dietzold, uh, yep. podcaster out of Chicago, I think, or so. No, maybe New Jersey, New Jersey, okay. New Jersey. But he was a great pal. And he said, you know, you should write a book. And I'm thinking, ah, because he interviewed me just like you yep. are doing now at a, as a podcast. And he said, you know, you should write a book about these things. And I said, oh, well, okay, but I don't know how to write or I never did. He said, well, I'll help you. And I said, well, you, well, why don't you just, uh, we'll, we'll tape it. Yeah. You know, we'll meet on Saturday. And, you know, he, he was in New Jersey. I'm in California. So uh, he said, I have the equipment to record you. Mm -hmm. so why don't I call you on Saturday and we'll, you tell me a story for an hour about, and we'll do it every Saturday. And then I'll send you the tapes. And there's a there's an app. I think Microsoft has it. He has it. Doug has it. Yeah. There's an app that you can feed a tape into it and it'll type it it's, out. Yeah. It, there's a now with AI, there's a lot of stuff like that on the internet. You can oh, you man, can even go in Google and you could speak. So a lot of website designers are using it where you can speak what you want on the content and it just 
it does it live. It just types oh, it out wow. live. It's crazy. Well, like a, a yeah. year ago, that's what he had, and he did. So we met for like I think eight Saturdays for an hour in the morning, and he taped it, and then he did that. He had it typed out. Amazing. And then he sent it to me. Mm -hmm. Well, he not only did he have it typed out, this is the amazing thing that he did. And I thank him in the book because without him, I yes. couldn't have done it. What he did was he went through it all, the, the, the hour every week. He went through the typed out version and he cut out all the kind of boring him asking me questions and the wow you know, or, or me saying, let me do that again. Or, you know, he, sure. he edited it. Yep. I mean, very roughly, because I, I demanded to have as much of it as possible because it's sure. my book. You know? Sure, sure. Yeah. He, he did that and he did it very well. And, and he sent it to me and I then worked on the edited, typed out version that he sent me. And that was the book. That's so if amazing. he couldn't have done that, all that recorded and did yeah. the typing it out, I couldn't have done the book. Because it was all recorded. It was I didn't do it from my head to the typewriter. I did it into a tape machine. That's great. So that's a great way to write a book. And this second yeah. book I'm just finishing now. I gotta go through it once more. No, I just did it by typing it out. It's like a story. That was out of my life, so I could yeah. just talk. But this I have to make up, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an yeah. end. Yeah. So you're writing more of a fictional story now. A fictional story because uh, here's what I learned. Two things about writing that I never knew. One is 80% of books bought are bought by women. <laughs> Interesting fact. Yeah. But if you go down the beach, see, I live by the beach. If you walk along, women are reading books. Yes, 100%. No, no men, women, all the way down. So that's the first fact. 80% are women. And the second thing is uh, memoirs, which is that guy is a memoir. Uh-huh. Cautionary tale. Memoirs are the smallest genre selling of all the books. I just learned that this past year because I was starting to write my story. I, I have a weird backstory. I was Miss Illinois and went to Miss America back in the 90s. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of people say, you need to write your story. And I went through the same, wrote that whole form. It took me months actually for me to do it. I was like, why are they asking this? And in the end, you know, whatever didn't work out because I don't have enough followers. And they said memoirs, unless you've got so many followers, nobody will ever buy it. And I'm like, well, that totally makes sense. It does make sense. Well, it does make sense, except it's how they market it. See, the marketing is is expensive and I don't have enough money to market the book. Yeah, so I was planning on the publisher i had to look for a publisher i mean you gotta yeah. look and look yeah you do uh finally somebody because i had a name see i had a name, had and a name. yeah and that helps so you I had some followers in other words it was uh, uh on their part they they assumed i had followers because i'm semi hemi demi famous mm -hmm. so their assumption helped mm -hmm. uh hopefully and thankfully they didn't conclude that oh he doesn't but uh, the, the assumption was that. It, so I got a, finally, I got a publisher. So but, can people you, buy that book now? Is it out? Well, it's out. It's on uh, now. It, it's got great reviews, by the way. 
It's out on Amazon and it's got a 4.3 out of five. Nice. It's huge, man. Yes. So people uh, can go to Amazon and buy the book called That yeah. Guy. Now, the, the, the one thing that I, there's no way to change it because Amazon makes the rules. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. So the, the book costs 28 bucks, but, but the, 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 the postage is free. Okay. But 28 books to me is a very expensive book. So my fans are the fans of Mr. Heckles and old Joe. And they're just, you know, kids who don't have 28 bucks, man. But it was 10 bucks. It would sell. Yeah. So I, I called and I said, hey, change the price. This is too much. And they said, we can't. Amazon sets the price. Wow. They say how much it costs. Uh-huh. Unless you don't want to be on Amazon. But they're the primary yeah. booksellers on earth. Right. So, wow. Uh, so, but the next book is a fiction uh, and I'm going to save up money and do my own publishing, good even if you. I get a, a really good publisher, but I want to get a big publisher, not sure. Not some small publisher that I yeah. got away with by getting. Totally. That's fantastic. Uh, oh, man, you, you're so fascinating. It's been so fun talking to you. I hate to end. I, we're coming up on an hour, and I know once I go oh. back and have to start edi editing in and adding commercials, the network, you know how it goes. The network, we got to stay within the hour. Um, but, again, tell everybody where they can find you or follow you, where they can follow you so you can add to your followers. Oh, well, no, the, the, uh, buying the book would be the, 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 the next follower's thing and the, because – I, I only work as an actor for friends now okay. uh, because I got a lot of residuals and yeah. stuff. So I can take it easier than when I was working. So, but the, uh, the real that's where my art is. See that that's my art. I, I'm an artist really. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. So paintings. Yes. He loves nice. They're, they're all over. I got another one up here. Uh, okay. So that one. And then the other one is, um, the Patreon, Larry Hankin, Patreon slash Larry Hankin. So you can follow. So if you if you go to those places, that would be followers. And then you would help me get uh, my book sold. That's what we those want. Those are really cool. That is awesome. That's what we want. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for joining me. It's been I knew you're great. Thank you. Well, thanks. It's been so fun. Hang on. We're gonna we're gonna close this up, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you know, with all the shows that I do, I always do end. With a Bible verse today, I've got Proverbs 30, 11. You have turned my morning into laughter and into joyful laughing. I thought that'd be fun because I knew we'd be laughing today and having fun. Anyway, thank you all so much for joining. Remember, you can watch us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, new content, 4.14 p.m. Or we're, we're working on something for Tuesdays and Thursdays, but for right now, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And as always, please come over to the website, tanyajoy.tv and check things out. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And now do your part and share this show. Have a great one. Until next time. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Beauty for Ashes with Tanya Joy. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and remember you were created for such a time as this.